Regardless of what we technically call it, I think most of us can agree that all signs are pointing to an economy that is getting tighter, which means your small business clients will need your assistance in evaluating the spending of every dollar. How would you like to be the hero to your clients by helping them to get free payroll until January 31st, 2023? I repeat, free payroll until January 31st, 2023. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, OnPay, later in the episode. The PhDs are who, who are screwing up accounting theory because they've never had any real world, world experience and they, they, don't, they, they create complexity that doesn't need to exist to justify their existence. I, I ran into somebody at Cooper's Connect. She teaches at her university or community college. I don't know where she's teaching at. That's not the point. The point is the textbook that they have actually has some screenshots of QuickBooks in the text, the accounting textbook. But the faculty told her of the business department, she's not allowed to teach QuickBooks to these accounting students. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we are back from QuickBooks Connect 2022. David, how are you feeling? Well, usually we record on Fridays, but we didn't record on Friday because we had a, a creators meetup group that we did Friday morning at QuickBooks Connect. And then you and I were really aggressive. Let's just record an episode before we get on the airplane to leave QuickBooks Connect. So we didn't do that Friday. And then I think we just rested on Saturday. Then I texted you on Sunday to say, hey, I got a cough. And that pushed us out to we're now we're at Monday morning, 9 a.m. We're going to try and record. I got my Ricola here. I'll try to push through, see what happens. Good. Yeah, thanks, David. I am. I consider myself very lucky. I, I feel fine, which is amazing. Normally, I'm wrecked after days and days at conferences because you're on your feet for 12 hours, or at least the way you and I like to do it. We're on our feet for 12 hours or more every day, and uh, it can be kind of exhausting, but it's so much fun. And I would highly, highly recommend to anyone listening who has never been to a QuickBooks Connect or a ZeroCon, go to one of those or go to both. Uh, whichever your flavor, whichever your preference, go to that. They are fantastic. And it was so great to see people who I've seen for 10 years at these events and also uh, new people. You know, I met Taylor, who's a CPA who just started his own practice earlier this year and it's doing great. And it's so exciting. Awesome. Well, it's the, the event's so big and, and it feels so fast that you don't get to see everybody you know. And so you're at the airport, yeah. then you run into somebody when you're leaving town. There's just too many people. You can't talk to everybody now. We did have a party, which helped. Everybody came yes. to us, which made things easier. And that was a huge success. <laughs> Enjoyed that. That was, a, that was a first for us. We had a party and David, you deserve so much, really all of the credit for putting that together. Oh, that, along it's Chrissy. With Chrissy from our, our team. She does all the work. Our amazing events coordinator, Chrissy, did it. But David, you know, I mean, you hired her, so you can take the credit. Man. <laughs> uh, and we had, like, I don't know, over a couple hundred people in the Chandelier Lounge at the Cosmopolitan. I felt like we have arrived. <laughs> we took a lot of photos. My jaw was hurting from smiling. We took yep, a we lot took a lot of photos. photos. If you want to see photos of the event, uh, follow us on Instagram at cloudacctpod.com. Or follow me. I'm at Blake T. Oliver, and you can see pictures of the event. It was a lot of fun. If you're at the event, take your photo, upload it to social, and tag Cloud Accounting Podcast and hashtag QB Connect so we don't miss the other photos that we're taking. 
One of the things that's special for me about QuickBooks Connect in particular is the quality of the speakers, David. QuickBooks always brings amazing speakers. Past speakers have included Oprah Winfrey, Shaquille O'Neal, Malcolm Gladwell, Martha Stewart. And uh, this year they had three uh, all-star speakers, Serena Williams, Simon Sinek, and Malcolm Gladwell, each for 30 minutes. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what they had to say because I really enjoyed their key points. And I have sort of three key takeaways from their uh, sessions or their speaking that they did. Uh, How about you, David? I don't have any special takeaways from what they were saying per se, but I think I'll cover the product side and the product announcement. Yes. Yeah, you you, uh, were very diligent and (laughs) went around to the QuickBooks booth and looked at all the new product stuff, which was important because what was different about this event versus previous QuickBooks Connects is that they didn't dwell on the product a lot in the keynote. And so that is how you are going to contribute back to our listeners is you did a tour of the booth with Ted Callahan and summarized all the most important stuff to know because it, it really wasn't one big feature. It was a lot of small stuff, which I think is why they had they didn't give too much time to the product in the keynotes. Well, I also feel like this, because this this QuickBooks Connect was just accountants and bookkeepers. It was not small businesses. So it allowed them to treat the audience differently. I feel like at previous QuickBooks Connect, some of the product features were very like pie in the sky. Like, look at this chat thing that's going to drive your Tesla and you're going to chat and order your sugar before you're the baker that gets to the office. Like it was that kind <laughs> of stuff. I remember that. And this time yeah. it's like real features were rolled out. Real, real, real features. And to, the biggest thing that should be threatened by the features that are rolling out would be QuickBooks Desktop. They finally are rolling uh-huh. out features to finally put desktop to bed. It's wow. stacked up from uh, multi I don't know, time. do you want to go into it or do you want to talk about other stuff? Uh, can, can I talk about the yeah, keynotes? Yeah, do the keynote. And do then keynotes we'll talk first. about the product the inspirational stuff? first. Okay. That's the inspirational. Okay. Well, so I took notes. I was listening. I was paying attention. And I have three key takeaways. Three things I learned at QuickBooks Connect. Serena Williams did a fireside chat. She said, I never regretted saying no. And that's the thing that stuck with me because in the accounting profession, we really struggle to say no, especially when it comes to taking on clients. And so I thought, I hope everyone takes that away from the conference is you are not going to regret saying no. We need to say no more we have been trained in accounting to say yes to everything, yep. to succeed as a staff accountant, as a staff auditor. You want to succeed? You say yes to all the partners, all the managers, all the directors. You're always a yes man, and you just overwork yourself. But when you own a firm, when you go off on your own, when you're trying to build a modern practice, it's way more important to say no to, I would say, a majority of the clients that are walking in the door, if not 80 or 90%, depending on how you've structured your whole marketing operation. Uh, and so... I love that she said that. And you know what I loved about Serena too, David, is how confident and calm and collected she was. She just seemed so at peace with where she is now. Did you did get you, that feeling? Did you ever watch her documentary? I think it was on HBO about two years ago. No, no, okay. no. She's so she's so down to earth and so vulnerable. Like she, I mean, think about it. Like you know, she's breastfeeding her kids and had no problem with cameras being in the same room. And, you know, I think she had a little like postpartum depression and she was upset. You know what I mean? Like she just put it mm-hmm. all out there and she was very vulnerable and that she's just genuine. I think you don't get that fakeness from her when she's up there. Yeah. The one thing I thought I, she said- I got, Oh, good. 
I was going to say, I got that feeling too. She talked a lot about her faith on stage and, and had no you know, issue doing that. And um, I thought that was refreshing. And then I like how she keeps phrasing, like she wants to be A, B, C, D, E, F, and a really good tennis player that won a bunch of championships. Like it's not like, that's not her first. She does a lot of things and that's a piece of who she is. Well, we talk pretty frequently about diversity in the accounting profession and Serena brought up the issue of diversity in cap tables. And that's one of the reasons why she is now pursuing a post-athletic career as an investor. And especially in African startups, she believes that if you want to help Africa, you need to have diversity on these boards. But my number one takeaway from Serena is uh, I have never regretted saying Saying no. no, saying no. We need to say no more. Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek spoke, and uh, he always has a lot of insights. He's sort of just one of those people that comes out that's full of quotes. Fantastic author. If you haven't seen his TED Talk, go search for his TED Talk on, on um, you know, how to find your why. I forget the name of it exactly, yeah. but just search Simon Sinek, and you'll go down a rabbit hole of YouTube videos. The thing that stuck with me that he said was he, he talked about his book, the um, infinite versus the finite games, or that concept. Uh, he wrote a book about this, like finite versus infinite games. And the the main principle of that book is that you know, businesses, people who play infinite games are the ones that win versus those who play finite games. And finite games are like, like a sports game, or like a tennis match is a finite game where there's two players, there's two teams, there's winners, there's losers. And unfortunately, a lot of people in business see business as a competition like that. We have to crush our competition, right? We have to win. And and Simon Snick says, actually, that's not true. Business is an infinite game. There are no winners and losers. Or, we or all rules. can win. I mean, there's, there's guidelines, but there really, there's no, there's no the rules, rules on change. your creativity. You can do anything you want. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's known and unknown players. The rules can change and there's no winners or losers. And, and so... Um, what what he said in that thirty minutes that stuck with me is, uh, he he said if if you if you don't want to play a finite game, I'm paraphrasing, if you don't want to play a finite game, ask yourself right if growth is the goal in your business, what is the purpose of that growth? Growth without purpose is really a finite game, and we're going from quarter to quarter trying to beat these results, trying to get these commissions, and. I think any of us who have spent time in businesses know that the ones where everyone's just focused on a number, let's take uh, the Wells Fargo fake account scandal, for example. They were so focused on a number that it led to a really, really messed up culture in the company that ended up costing them billions of dollars. And it must happen with Intuit when they started going the, the GE way. The GE way is squeeze that diamond to get that last drip of blood out of it. And it's kind of the same right. thing that almost happened to Intuit in the past. Cost cutting over everything else, right? That's that's a finite kind of game. Next quarter's yeah. numbers, next quarter's numbers, yep. next quarter's numbers, yep. Now, the thing that I wish that he had done, um, that I also wish Malcolm had got done, was like tie this more to accounting. Try like actually like make the leap and take your theory and apply it to what we're doing in um, it, at QuickBooks, right? A lot of accountants, what do we do? We produce financial reports, which are, you could say, a finite game scorekeeping, Quarterly reports, annual financial reports, right? That's a, you could see that as a finite game. And if that's all that the business owners or the stakeholders are focused on, then uh, ultimately that's not going to help you win as much as thinking bigger picture. And to me, 
what that means is thinking about how does your business impact everyone in the world? How does it make your customers' lives better? How does it make your employees' lives better? And if you do that, if you focus on that, right, if that's the, the goal of your growth, to make everybody's lives better, to improve the lives of your employees and your customers, then um, you're going to have a, a much more successful company. And I think Intuit does that really, really well in their mission statement. Um, powering prosperity. I don't know if that's still what it is, but think so. that's what it's been past years. And I think that's really great, right? Like powering the prosperity of small business is a Simon Sinek style, big picture goal. That's more than just quarterly financial results. All right, number three, last one, Malcolm Gladwell. He was the final keynote speaker. And and actually, I was, I didn't know quite how to feel about what he said, David, because basically the 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 gist of his entire 30-minute monologue was good ideas take the longest time because they focus on the hardest problems. And he kept giving these examples of innovations that took decades and decades to actually succeed and to get through. Like, like the one he started with was container shipping, container, containerized shipping, which took 60 years before it actually took off. And it changed the world by driving down the cost to ship goods internationally to a fraction of what it used to be, right? By using containers instead of manually loading and unloading. And I kept thinking to myself, oh no, this is yet another excuse for partners to say, oh, we'll do the cloud thing next year, right? We'll (laughs) we'll put off moving to desktop next year. (laughs) But I I think the, the, yeah, the takeaway is good good ideas take a long time to adopt, but I feel like it's he did reach a little bit, and it's hard to really see. I, mean, I can see how he tied things together, but it's not necessarily really fully true. I don't know how to like say that. Like, if you disagree with his his key point, because a lot of ideas, and maybe, maybe it's ideas go faster now in this day and age. I mean, the iPhone took off fast. Now, yes, arguably his thing point is well, they tried to make something like that in 1984 when they did the Newton, and you know, yeah. I think it's a big jump, like oh, why, how VCRs are the reason we get great TV shows nowadays on streaming. I think that's a bit of a jump. Like I get, I get how that allowed writers and story writers. Now people could record an episode. Now the stories don't have to be 22 minutes anymore. Stories could go on for multiple episodes. I see that's high, but nobody invented the VCR with that being the result. That, and that's what I mean by the idea, right? Right, right. He's looking backwards and seeing this long path of an idea when nobody really in the moment knew what was going to happen at the end of it. Yeah, and the, no, nobody, when Sony was building Betamax and VHS, Panasonic, and they were building out VCRs in 1979, 80, 81, they weren't thinking, like, one day we're going to have 15 long episodes of TV shows on streaming services, right? <laughs> but he connected that together, and, 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 I, I don't, and he connected it nicely. He's, he's a great storyteller. But it's, yeah. like, I don't know. But... It, and one thing I think in general, the scary part of this is earmark. <laughs> That's what I keep thinking. What about earmark? Well, earmark's a great idea. Now, does this mean it's going to take us 20 years before people start using it? <laughs> well, I hope not. Uh, update for our listeners. If you're not on earmark CPE, you can get CPE for listening to the Cloud Accounting Podcast and many other fine accounting and tax podcasts. Download earmark CPE on the App Store, the Google Play Store. Uh, we are NASBA approved, IRS approved. And I don't think it's going to take us 20 years because we've already got almost 4,000 people using the app, David. 4,000 people have signed up for the app. And we've got hundreds of subscribers who are paying for the unlimited subscription. So 
progress to be made, but there are hundreds of thousands of CPAs out there in the world. There's a finite so number of them to go after. There are a finite number, but you know we've we've barely cracked, uh, you know, one percent or not even that, maybe half a percent. So we got a ways to go. So, so uh, taking a step yeah. back, because you tied you tied um, Serena into accounting firms. You tied um, yes. which is Michael uh, Simon Sinek Simon into Sinek. accounting firms. How are you going to tie Malcolm Gladwell to accounting firm behavior? Other than that silly joke you made about not adopting class. <laughs> Good ideas take the longest time because they yeah. focus on the hardest problems. Well, I guess it's that we've been doing cloud accounting. Let's take cloud accounting as the example, right? If I wish Malcolm Gladwell had come out and talked about accounting technology and where we are in the big scheme of things with that. How long's cloud been around now? Cloud accounting started with arguably with uh, in the US with NetSuite and that's been 20 years. It's been 20 years now, yeah. 20 years. So we're probably still at the early days of cloud adoption in accounting, if you think about it, big picture. Now, certain areas like client accounting services or bookkeeping were at 80% or more adoption, right? QuickBooks Online is now, gosh, uh, Hector Garcia was saying it's like 15% desktop, it's 85% online in his view at this point. But then you look at tax software and it's flipped. It's the other way where 80 90% of the market is still desktop based and there is no alternative other than you know into its cloud based tax product like they're the only one that's true cloud so that could take a while that could take another 20 years potentially but i do think we are you know somewhere in the middle of it because all of those ideas that Malcolm Gladwell talked about were ideas that took you know 30 40 50 60 maybe 80 years at most, right? And so- But look at the spreadsheet though. That took like, like instant. It, you know, Lotus123, uh, what was the original one? CompuBooks? I forgot what it was called. The, the first PhysiCalc, whatever. Whatever the first ones were. Yeah. Excel, I mean, it took off in a it took decades, four, five, though. six period, year period. It didn't take 20 years for Excel to get traction. Well, for a computer, for a personal computer to be on every desk, every desk in every office did take- I feel like 20 years or something, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, more maybe. Anyway, it made me feel better about the pace of things, right? Like we, we just need to step back and look in the big picture. You know, things are changing actually quite rapidly. And that's good. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Canopy. Did you know that Canopy has a partnership with the IRS? This means that you can now use Canopy to pull your client transcripts. The integration is approved by the IRS and can be configured to automatically pull transcripts you can easily monitor if and when something changes. Now here's the best part. Once you have your client's transcripts, you can use Canopy's notices feature to help you resolve your client's notices. Canopy has a library of 350 plus pre-built federal and state notice templates that provide an overview of the notice type as well as walk you through the recommended steps to resolution. And Canopy can even create and autofill your IRS response letters. Canopy also integrates with QuickBooks Online, Xero, FreshBooks, CRMs, Form Builders, Spreadsheets, Calendars, Email, and Zapier. They even have a mobile app, centralized file management, fillable PDFs, a client portal, task management, and the list goes on and on. To get a demo of Canopy and to receive a $40 Amazon gift card, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash canopy. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-A-N-O-P-Y. So David... 
enough about the keynote speakers. What about the product? The because product. I know our listeners want to hear about the product changes. Can you so, summarize for us the key product updates? Yeah, so I'm going to bounce around my brain from little station to station as I summarize. So the first kind of place was... Um, you mean the stations at the QuickBooks booth? At the conference, so yeah. So I won't say what the stations they, are. I'm just in my brain as an outline as I go through this. So yeah. QuickBooks Online itself, there was just some core functionality added that were for small businesses. But a lot of it's around the navigation and the UI to make it easier for small business owners so you can change the menus. If I don't use payroll, just turn the menu off in my QuickBooks. I don't need that. So you can customize the menus, resort the menus, have control over that. And I can do that as the advisor. Not yet. My understanding. Okay. Got it. But I could go log in with them. Yes, on you could help them customize and then it right now. Help them customize it. They only see the menu options they need to see. Correct. So okay. you have that. Um, what a huge one was check images. This has been coming, right? They started downloading yeah. bank statements a few years back. Now they're pulling check images. So if you have a bank feed and it just says check 4552, you pop over to the other tab and the check images are pulled down. You can see the check and you figure out what it's for. Right. So they're so, is that every bank? I mean, it, it's got to be only select It wasn't banks. clear, um, but I, I feel like Intuit tends to use those verbiage where, oh, we kicked eight, we, we get 85% of the people that need them, that kind of verbiage. Like, yeah, so the big banks. So connecting to the, enough, right, the bigger yeah, banks. Yeah, got it. And then the other big part of that was bank feeds. So there's kind of starting to, when you first import your transactions, you connect a new client and you have three months of transactions in a bank feed, you got to sort what they're doing is you kind of have almost like a Tinder style wizard for the lack of better words for it. And Intuit's really digging in with the uh, machine learning to the bank feed. And they're like, hey, this is USAA, but is this for an auto loan? Is this for insurance? Is this for a retirement plan? Whatever it might be. And they're using that to figure out all the rest of your transactions. So it's almost like a wizard to get you through, get the small business owner through that. And then the other piece um, they're doing, which is long awaited right now, if you have rules, it'll try to apply the rules before it tries to do a match, which is silly because if you have a transaction, you need to match. Just match it and you're oh, done. You yeah. don't need a rule. Yeah. I think so, that one got some good applause when they announced that. They had the most that. applause. Yeah. I think that had the yeah. most applause. So it'll match an existing transaction and then if it can't match, apply rules as yep. opposed to the current situation, which is flipped. And then for the accountants edition specifically, everybody who gets a QuickBooks Online accountants edition gets your firm's books, you want to call it that. So you, you have your team and your clients, and then you have your books for your firm. Historically, a lot of accountants have not used that either because they set up their bookkeeping as a separate QBO file before QBOA existed, or they don't use it because the people on your team, so if you're on my team, you can get into all the firm's books. Maybe you don't need to be in the bookkeeping of the firm. You do bookkeeping for our clients, right, Blake? Right, right. And so they added granular permissions for the firm's books. So I can keep you out of the firm's books if I need to, because you just don't need to be in them. Oh, and that previously wasn't possible. Was Anyone not possible. Anyone with access to the accountant edition could see the books on the firm. Yes. The firm's book. Oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want that necessarily. So think about payroll reports, yeah. things like that that you don't want the firm's book. Yep. That. yep, yep. Um, they did a lot with payments. They are now uh, in April launching their own bill pay. So remember we talked about that in the conference call? We d I did get to see that. They're launching their own bill pay built on their own payments rails. So and now this that. is not available now. It's coming. Coming. That's correct. All this yeah. stuff is supposed to come out in the next six months, I think, all now, this stuff we're talking about. What wasn't clear to me was, is this payments network going to be just ACH, just digital, or will I also be able to like send paper checks with 
into its payments network that's going to replace this is replacing i take it Mel- on the Melio bill pay side is replacing of- Melio. um it looks like it's going to have similar options where you're okay. going to pick and you're going to again you're going to pay on speed i think that's the future all payments will probably be free you'll pay on the speed of the payment that you want so they're doing that they're doing some uh, new loan products with uh, quickburst capital and then on the receivable side they're doing the network so you have that end-to-end if i in mm-hmm. my quickbooks i create an invoice i mail it to you you, you opt in, it shows up a bill in your QuickBooks, right? So I'm a bit skeptical, I got to say, about this payment network thing, David, because Zero tried to do this, and it never really got adopted. The idea was you could link up one Zero file to another Zero file and then send bills and invoices back and forth directly into the files. The problem I had with this is it's only a small subset of invoices and bills that get processed this way. And then if I have an external processing workflow for all the bills that don't, it doesn't fit together. Now I have two workflows. So I ended up just disabling all of that and having all the bills go through PDF anyway because they had to get OCR'd into the system. It's the same through... discussion we had at, at Sage Intact with their new lockbox acquisition, right? Yeah. Like, right. Until all these accounting platforms agree to move these between each other, it's kind of not very useful. Yeah, not it every needs to business be a is single. QuickBooks. Exactly. So, it, like, I don't want to receive some of my bills inside of QuickBooks and then some of them via email. Then now I have two different processing like inboxes. I want one inbox for yeah. everything. So I hope that they figure out a way where I can say if I don't want to receive them in QuickBooks, I can have them go somewhere else. That would be ideal. Otherwise, most accountants aren't going to be able to use this. And maybe that's why we didn't really see a lot of applause. Like, I think actually well, accountants some of might the be stuff- able to use it the most because you have your yeah. firm's um, QuickBooks online. All your clients are in QuickBooks. That might be the only. That's the for sure use. That's case. the only usage case. Is <laughs> I can send my firm's invoices into my clients, but that's clients only books. if they're all on QuickBooks, right? If yes. I've got a mix of clients on different systems, I can't use you can't that use anymore. It. That's true. So yeah, I mean, goes. there was it was interesting. There were some feature announcements that just fell really flat. David, do you remember that in the keynote? Like that was, people were not really excited about this payment network. And I think the Intuit folks were surprised by that. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, they went pretty fast over it, but I think you're right. It's a wait and see on that payment network stuff. It, you know why? It's because all the accounting firms already have a solution. Yeah. AP automation is the one thing that most firms have adopted in addition to payroll in the cloud and bill.com, right? We, we got Melia, we've got... These other AP providers, the even if it's not business to business, are using like CPA charge. They're doing other stuff to get yeah. paid and move that money around. Right. Yeah. So it's like this is not a problem that most firms have that this is solving. It's it's, and I think that was why it didn't really get the applause. Do you and remember I think what this the goes biggest back to maybe, um, Malcolm Gladwell and the twenty years thing? I remember in 1996 sitting through slide presentations at Intuit of like invoices just moving from one QuickBooks to the other QuickBooks and like yeah, you know. Maybe it's finally going to get here 20 years later, 25 years later. What was, well, I'll let you finish and then I have a question for you. Right. Um, and then, because there was also commerce, right? Yeah, like that's what I was going next. So, commerce, which is they really integrated very well the Trade Gecko acquisition, which I think was what, two and a half years ago? So, Trade Gecko had inventory. Trade Gecko was an e commerce play. So, if I have Omnichannel, I have a Shopify store and an Amazon store. I sell medium shirts on the Amazon store. It updates the inventory on the Shopify store and then wraps up those summary sales transactions into QuickBooks. Used to be a third-party standalone app. This is now built into QuickBooks online. 
So you have inventory. And not only inventory, you have, what do you call it? I, I say 3D, but it's not 3D. It's a, when it's size and... Uh, size and oh, multi-dimensional. Multi-dimensional inventory. inventory. Or they call them, they call it something else though. They call it, yeah, it's like sizes, colors, in addition to like a skew. Yeah. And then yeah. you can basically you feed that in. It's like an array and it creates all your items for you. If you already have done that work in Shopify or Amazon, it'll pull your items down into QuickBooks online. And then QuickBooks Online will be your truth of inventory for those two channels. Now, they, right now, they only do Amazon and Shopify. So if you have your own e-commerce store, yeah, it's maybe not going to work yet, right? They're not there yet. I'm, hopefully, they'll. I'm assuming they'll. They want to go there, though. They said they they, they, they want to yes, add they all do the channels. Go there. Um, they've added uh, inventory. And did you mention entries? Did you mention this? The big thing for me was they're syncing the quantities back and forth. Did you mention that? So, yes. So like, they're doing that as well now. So you don't need a right. third-party app to do that anymore. Right. Like. So right now, Amazon and Shopify, and it'll sync the quantities between the th- all the systems, right? So if I have the same inventory on Shopify and Amazon, QuickBooks will be my source of truth and will sync. Yes, because that if you sell number. your last medium shirt on Shopify, you need it to get off. You need to sell it as sold out on Amazon. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and this is this is big, but it's not it's not public yet. It's not public yet. It looks pretty close that it's, it's, it's getting very, very close, but it's very, very, very impressive. And probably for most small businesses, you're getting very yeah. robust inventory built in. Um, and I imagine when in, uh, Zero gets done with the locate integration, you're going to kind of see some similar inventory type functionality in Zero as well. And then the last thing they had was uh, they created a bunch of new ways to migrate QuickBooks desktop. So right now, if I'm 100% cloud firm and I take on a new client that's desktop, I would have to go get QuickBooks desktop, put their file on it, and jump through all these steps. Now, basically, there's a place I upload their file, and the migration happens through a virtual machine. And then when I'm done, now it's in QuickBooks Online. But the piece that I really like best that they've done, and I feel like Hector Garcia said, and this may be good ideas, I swear Hector Garcia said this a decade ago. I'm not kidding about QuickBooks Online. He's like, they should just skin QuickBooks Online so it looks and tastes like desktop. And they have that now. And they have that. So they can basically, you can set a desktop setting and you'll get the menu on the left that looks like QuickBooks Desktop software. You get the navigator that looks like QuickBooks Desktop. You get all the hotkeys that you had in QuickBooks Desktop. So it's like, there you go. 20 years later, a good idea showed up. Amazing. It makes sense, right? You're getting people to switch. The last thing that you need is an unfamiliar navigation experience. Just give them that map that everyone's so familiar with on the QuickBooks home screen from desktop. But in general, it felt like a lot of the functionality they were adding is real functionality that helps people put more clients on QuickBooks Online. There's It's a bunch of features. That's another excuse why you don't want to use QuickBooks desktop. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, tipping the, it's tipping people over. Yeah. And that inventory. Once did Was there any... Did they give us an idea of when it would be released, this new? Well, they had a little disclaimer on all the demos that said anything that's shown here will be released in, within 12 months. I think they have to do that because okay. of revenue rack and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, probably something to do with you know being a public company and, and giving forward-looking guidance or whatever. <laughs> Uh, where the big disclaimers in front of every presentation, like, you know, you can't rely on this. On the desktop or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Before they started the presentation, they were there. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. OnPay is built for accountants. And with 30 plus years of payroll experience, they can be the payroll partner you can always rely on to get payroll and tax filings right for any client. 
even those with distinct needs like restaurants, farms, and churches. When you use OnPay to manage your client's payroll, you can balance that fine line between control and delegation for each client. Regardless, if you keep 100% control, delegate payroll to somebody at your firm, or hand off payroll duties to your client, OnPay always takes care of all tax payments and filings, even the local filings. And with integrations with QuickBooks Online, Zero, and QuickBooks Desktop, you can use OnPay across your entire client base regardless of the accounting GL they are using. OnPay's partner program offers free payroll for your firm, discounts for our rev share, and a dedicated support team of in-house payroll experts who will do all the heavy lifting, from setting up your dashboard to adding your clients and their employees. They'll even enter any prior wages to make it easy to switch. To learn more about switching your clients to the award-winning OnPay Payroll and HR, and to get free payroll through January 31st of 2023 for every client you switch to OnPay, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash OnPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. Be more confident about payroll with OnPay. That was a great roundup, David. Yeah. Oh, uh, hey, what was the feature in the keynotes? What got the biggest applause? Do you remember? I think the check. I always, the check, check images. images, which is huge. Yeah. And then the other one, oh, I cannot remember what else got a big, a big applause. If I remember, I'll let, I'll let everybody know. One thing I did like about the keynotes this year versus the previous year when it was recorded, all the executives were like robots. There was reading a script. It was really painful yeah. to watch the online QuickBooks Connect. This time, I felt like Ted uh, Callahan, Cassie, um, Ashley Sutter, they're all humans. And not only that, they're all a little self-deprecating and even like making, maybe you can't crack jokes making fun of QuickBooks when in front of small business owners, but you can do it in front of accountants and bookkeepers because you're all on the same page in a way, right? Yep. And they made fun of their own support, right? They, and everybody <laughs> giggled and they thought that was funny. Yeah. And it was, it was really good for them to come off very human. Um, yeah. Which is good. I did feel that. I felt that throughout the whole conference. It felt very human. We didn't talk about the expo floor. Uh, one thing that was very uh, interesting that I've never seen before is the Expensify booth at on the expo floor was uh, not a booth. It was a bar. They just built uh, a bar, and apparently it's a, it's a recreation of the bar in their San Francisco office, and it's just a round bar, like long oval-shaped bar uh, where you could sit, and they were serving juices and cocktails throughout the day, and it just had the Expensify logo on the top and I've never seen anything like that it was very creative very well, fun and it's just like somehow Expensify always seems to stay one step ahead because at the previous conferences the last 12 and a half months Expen- all, all, Expensify would have this double decker booth that was taller than all the other booths well yep. the way the this was a kiosk style your booth was in a kit right but all yeah. the booths at Crippers Connect were really tall like huge walls yeah super tall so you didn't have that visibility across the floor so the Expensify bar, so here they go. Instead of having the tallest, they had the shortest, but it was open and approachable versus some of the other ones. I actually liked the turnkey booths, and that's what they call them when you go to a conference and all the booths are designed the same, they look the same. Uh, the conference organizers actually order those, and then you as a vendor, you provide the specifications for the artwork, and then it's all handled for you, which is actually really nice as an exhibitor because you don't have to bring all this stuff. Yes. Uh, and it creates this beautiful consistency in the experience when you walk around the show floor, everything looks kind of the same as opposed to when you go to one of those exhibits where it's like everybody just brings their own stuff and it's all kind of random, more curated, right, type of experience. Uh, but that that Expensify booth was a nice, different, was very different than everything else. And 
uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing was just beautiful. It was much smaller than the expo has been in the past, and I think a lot of sponsors were uh, complaining that they couldn't get in this year. Well, and there was a th- over a thousand people on a wait list, possibly yeah, so thirteen hundred to fifteen hundred. I heard three thousand accountants and developers in attendance, and a wait list of thirteen hundred before they shut it off because yes. they knew that they would never be able to you know get more people on the wait list. So. Uh, actually, a lot of people just came uh, outside of the conference and came around the conference yeah. and and went to the after parties. They were just hanging around. And the reason why yep. they, they – apparently there was a second event happening at the same time. So they didn't have access to the space they needed to take on that many people at ARIA. Um, I could yep. not get a firm commitment that the event was going to be held at ARIA again, no matter how many, time, how many rumors I heard that it's going to be. But I think you may have mentioned it. Like the whole Vegas experience was just better for accounts and bookkeepers. It's just so much easier to get to Vegas than to San Jose. And it's less expensive if you want to stay in a less expensive hotel and come over to the conference. Like, you can do that. Uh, there's just more entertainment. It's it's all contained. It's it's easy to get, I don't know. I, it had ev- something for everybody. And so I hope they do it again in Vegas. And I really liked that they didn't have the small business owners. It was nice just having the accountants because uh, I think Ted Callahan said this. It's very challenging to do presentations for both audiences. They're very different. Yep. And so you can just focus on the accountants and maybe they do something for the small business owners that's separate. I think that's good. The one thing I do miss is they had that wonderful uh, market at their last QuickBooks Connect in San Jose when they had the small oh, business like an owners. Oh, kind of style market. Yeah, that's yes. right. And I actually bought my wallet, which I've had for years now there uh, from like a, a Portland... Uh, you know, handmade leather wallet company and, and they were a QuickBooks customer. And that was kind of a cool thing. So I, I would love if they would, even if they don't do the small businesses, it would be cool if they brought some of their uh, key, you know, small businesses small to business the event so that we could shop and get to know them. Um, I do like how firms are bringing their teams. Yes, more I think, and more. So it's kind of rewinding. So the Pro Advisor Program, the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program is 25 years old. So they were talking about that. And they had this slide with like 405 pro advisors that have been in the program since day one. And then That's they amazing. had, they, they bolded all the names of the 20, 40 or whatever that were there at the event. And they stood up in the front and they were waving their arms around. Then they asked all the people that were at QuickBooks Connect for the very first time to stand up. And there was a lot, yeah, maybe, maybe a thousand that were there for the very first time. And it's because their firms, the firm managers, the firm owners are bringing their teams, which is like so good. Because if you don't include them, mm-hmm. this people are going to leave your firm, right? They're going to quit accounting. Like, why yeah. should you as a firm owner be the only one to enjoy this experience? When I was on the plane coming to Las Vegas, I was sitting next to this guy who was, uh, I thought he was going there for the rodeo. He kind of like had that look because uh, the the national, I don't even know it's world. Rodeo but, finals, like, national, yes. Yeah, the rodeo finals were in Vegas at the same time. So it was funny because you had, you know, 3,000 accountants at the Aria, but then you had tens of thousands of people in cowboy hats yeah. You know, walking around Vegas at the same time, who are obviously there for the rodeo. And I, I thought this man was wearing his, you know, flannel shirt. And I thought, oh, he's got to be there for the rodeo. But no, he was there. He was going to Vegas for the first time for a conference of well drillers at the Mirage. Well drillers. And I was thinking, oil wells? You know, is this guy like offshore? No, water wells. He is a water well driller, a small business owner in Florida. And he was there. And his trip was being paid for to come to this conference because his supplier gives him points. Whenever he buys equipment and supplies from his well drilling supplier, 
he gets points and if he gets enough points throughout the year they'll pay for him to come to the annual conference and i didn't know this but well drillers have to get 30 hours of continuing education every year and i thought that's crazy and he said oh well it, it makes sense because we have to be really careful about water quality you can you know kill a family mm. if you dig into the arsenic you know well or whatever right so they got to test very carefully for water quality um, and that's what the CE is for. So he comes to this conference for CE and to have a good time. And, you know, it's 10,000 well drillers. And I said, uh, I tweeted when I got off the plane, I said, hey, David, I think I actually stole this idea from you. Put on your QuickBooks shirt, go walk around the Mirage, and you'll have a whole bookkeeping oh, they- business around well drillers by the end of the three days, yeah. right? Because they have um, people there that are like, oh, yeah, we use QuickBooks, but we're stuck on this. They'll, we'll just keep it. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally, totally. Go to, but, go to you know, niche it, conferences if you're in a yeah. niche. Yeah, so I, I don't remember why I started talking about the well drillers just now, but I thought that was fascinating. But it puts things in perspective, right? We have 3,000 accounts coming for QuickBooks, but there's 10,000 well drillers coming to the Mirage for a conference. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks. I was on the FreshBooks website this week and saw this blog post. Five FreshBooks features accountants love. So I figured let's share it with the Cloud Accounting Podcast audience. So without further ado, number one, in-app estimates and proposals. With deep customization, you can create bespoke proposals for clients and even capture their e-signatures. Number two, pre-populated chart of accounts. Help you cut down on your setup times and it helps clients feel confident when classifying their expenses. Three, app integrations. Square, Dropbox, HubSpot, G Suite, Gusto, and Zoom. Time tracking allows your clients to take charge of their own time tracking and payroll and make invoicing a breeze. Checkout links. You can require and collect payments up front to eliminate the need to chase clients that owe you money. If you want to learn about the benefits of working better together with FreshBooks, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash FreshBooks. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash F-R-E-S-H-B-O-O-K-S. So David, uh, was that it for QuickBooks Connect? I think so. I did get a LinkedIn message from, uh, I'm going to say this last name and I might blow it, Heather Quitschau, K-W-I-T-S-C-H-A-U. Maybe I nailed that name. I I, don't know. You you might have. And she sent a message on um, LinkedIn and she said, as members of the media, I hope you'll have a comparison of the various conferences this year. I'd really like to know Mm. how they differ from one to the next from your viewpoint, obviously product comparisons aside, but what's the actual demographics of the attendees? What's the sessions? What's the offerings? What are the conferences like? And now that we've yeah. done QuickBooks Connect, we could do this. Uh, so David, I'll, I'll let you go first. H- how do you feel? We went to QuickBooks Connect. We went to ZeroCon. We went to Oracle NetSuite, Sweet World. We went to Sage Intact, Transform. We went to, was that it this and year? And then you have uh, Scaling New Heights. which is Scaling New Heights. Which is kind of... So we start with that one. So Scaling New okay. Heights ha- has multiple accounting GLs there. Sage was there. Zero was there. QuickBooks was not there. But a lot of the base is QuickBooks people. Yeah. Scaling New Heights is the current biggest agnostic conference. So you know, Joe in the Woodard. States, that's correct. Yep. In the States. Yeah. Joe Woodard, Woodard Group puts this on. And he used to be pretty much QuickBooks only. Yep. And now has opened it up. And it's the, it's the premier agnostic conference. Agnostic. It's like it's like a religion, right? Which which <laughs> GL you use? But yeah, it's it's open to anyone. Yeah, it could be that way. So if I had to like recap all of them, Oracle NetSuite. Oracle NetSuite seems is tends to be a lot of 
startups because a lot of startups, as soon as you take VC money, they they push you that direction to Oracle NetSuite. Yep. So you meet high people growth companies there, and they're CFOs and they're like, we're going to hire 200 employees in the next six six months, and they're they're like super hyper growth. It's very uh, type A personalities, right? I think yep. uh, they're using the product, right? And then you have the I'm going to say lack of a better term, the implementers or resellers, right? That implement the uh, there's a lot of IT folks. Well, IT folks are like world, there, right? Would, because there's there's dedicated NetSuite administrators, like the the pro advisors of NetSuite yes. are there, but they are really more focused on less accounting and more on just general IT infrastructure. Yep. And but you see a lot of the attendees are definitely people there to solve problems for their company. Yeah. Right? Corporate. They make a lot of they make a lot of buy accounting. decisions. So they're yep. like, hey, I'm having a timesheet problem. They select a payroll app or a timesheet app at the event in many cases. So it's weird. Be, what I don't like about that, well, I don't know if I like it or not, but I feel like all the sales guides that are at the booths are there to sell. And so if I try to just go up to make small talk, they just, as soon as they realize I'm not a sale, like, get out of here, you podcast joker. It's just a bad vibe, right, that you get from them. I would say if you're going down now to Sage Intact, Sage Intact has growing businesses, but they're not those crazy hyper growth. Like you'll meet people and they're a little bit more down to earth. Um, somebody's it's, like, hey, I was a cashier at the company. I've been working there for 12 years. And then we merged with this other company and now we had to roll out Sage Intact and they're growing businesses, but they're not in that insane growth, if that makes sense. More Main Street businesses, Main right? Street not businesses. like yeah. high growth, we're going to take over the world kind of businesses. And a lot of not-for-profits on Intact because that was one of their core industry verticals early on and a lot of accounting firms because of the deep partnership with CPA.com that Intact has. And then what I saw with that is you have the controllers or CFOs of some of these companies, they're there, but the accounting firms actually bring their clients in to meet. So so a lot of people have virtual relationships and this is the event they, they entertain their clients, they bring their clients in, so the firms are bringing the clients into the event yeah. so they can collaborate while they're there and do the trainings together. And that's kind of unique because you don't see that at QuickBooks Connect or ZeroCon or NetSuite. It's really at Intact where that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have ZeroCon, which is very similar demographic to the QuickBooks Step Pro Advisor demographic, maybe slightly younger. I would say this year, I saw more QuickBooks people at ZeroCon and vice versa with QuickBooks Connect. I saw a lot of Zero people at QuickBooks Connect this year than ever yeah. before. And I think word's out, right? I think I said this after ZeroCon. What was funny was the QuickBooks folks who were like, okay, uh, don't take any pictures of me or don't post any pictures of me on social media. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want QuickBooks to know that I'm here. Yeah. But, but it's a more mature view of the market. And I think you could have clients on both. Yeah. It's realistic. And oh, I yeah. kind of joked with, um, I think she was the VP of Zero at, uh, in Canada. I saw her at the last day of ZeroCon. I was like, absolutely, you should support both GLs because then you get to go to two amazing conferences. Yeah, exactly. So you exactly. Two GLs. Yep. And then QuickBooks is, I mean, we just talked about who's at the QuickBooks conference, a lot of pro advisors. You have your VARs. Um, I would say at ZeroCon and QuickBooks Connect, the vendors are a little bit more approachable because it's a it's a, a long sale and it's not so a, it's not a one-to-one sale. I think when they talk to somebody, they're selling that product to that one business that's at Sage Intact or Oracle NetSuite, but in many cases at QuickBooks and Zero, you're selling to an accountant who has 50 clients. It's just a long sale, so that pressure's not there to like make the sale instantly. It's more about just building relationships. Relationships, yeah. And so it's more it's more relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that uh, QuickBooks Connect and ZeroCon were very similar this year. In terms of the production value, they were both incredibly high production, just amazing events. The conference wrap party was fantastic at both. 
we didn't mention this, but QuickBooks Connect, uh, they rented out the Jewel nightclub at the Aria, and it was completely full. And that's probably the only time I will ever go to the Jewel nightclub <laughs> at the Aria. It's all branded uh, up. It's it's All these new nightclubs oh, yeah. now are, have just LCD lights everywhere, so it's very easy for them to brand it to whatever brand they want. Um, the stairs oh, yeah, were it was branded. Like, there were, there were green numbers, like, moving around all over the club. Uh, it was great. The music was great. I liked, you know what I really liked? It wasn't too loud. Normally, you go to a nightclub, and it's way, way, way too loud. Like, it's damaging your hearing, yes. because I feel like most of the people are already deaf who, like, go to clubs all the time. Uh, but they definitely, like, were cognizant of that. And I really appreciate that. As a musician who watches out for my hearing, I didn't have to wear earplugs. And I didn't come out with, like, my ears ringing. So health and safety standards. Thank you, Intuit, for following that and making us all comfortable. I is think that, is a, that we, it? We beat it. Is down. That, There's that wraps our coverage? Okay. We've got 15 minutes left, so I want to get to some listener messages that I've received. Uh, Patrick said on LinkedIn, Hi, Blake. It's great to connect with you. I've been listening to the Cloud Accounting Podcast weekly since the beginning of 2022. I really like your and David's insight on what is really happening in the accounting world. I also had a non-traditional path to becoming a CPA. I graduated with a degree in mathematics and thought I wanted to be an actuary. I've never worked in public accounting besides moonlighting as a bookkeeper for about a dozen small businesses. I now manage the billing and accounting functions of a large law firm in DC. It's an interesting perspective to see how a large non-accounting professional service firm operates. I've also been using the Earmark app to earn CPE credits. Besides the Cloud Accounting Podcast, one of my favorite podcasts is Oh My Fraud. Keep up the great work and look forward to the next episode. And dear listener, if you have not heard Oh My Fraud, you are in for a treat. Listen to Greg and Caleb talk about frauds. They dissect one in every episode. And you can get auditing uh, and accounting ANA credit on the Earmark app for listening to it. So it's very popular. Uh, OhMyFraud.com. Listen and subscribe to that. Just a warning to our listeners who are not fans of uh, foul language. They do curse on that show, so you should know that before you listen. Joseph said, he had a question, David, and actually I'd love to hear your response to this. Okay. Uh, Joseph uh, messaged us on Instagram and said, have you covered how to navigate client two-factor codes when accessing client accounts, downloading statements, or reconnecting feeds? Please do. It is my coworker and I's biggest annoyance of the last few weeks. Looking for an intelligent workaround rather than have staff send code to us or have to take client time to have them relay from their phone slash email. Have you dealt with this, David? I have not because I don't really have a firm. Right, right that's true. Obviously. But I remember being at um, bookkeepers.com's conference and they, this was a huge discussion. On, they're kind of an open mic Q&A. And this is a huge discussion. And when you listen to the workarounds people do for this, like, oh, we get the text and we send it to a Google Voice number. Then the Google Voice number, we use Zapier to stick into a Slack channel so everybody can just go get the code, the authentication code. But here's how you can get around it. Switch to banks like Relay where everybody has their own login. You don't have to deal with this anymore. Like that's the best option. It's true. Unfortunately, you're never going to get every client to switch to you know a modern bank like Relay. So what do you do in the meantime if you can't? My workaround was, like you said, David, use a Google voice number and use that for, the, for all the accounts. So I had one Google voice number. And whenever we set up accountant access, we would put in that number for the text message verification codes. And everyone had access to receive those. And you could probably send a um, 
you could probably figure out how to zap those into Slack or into Microsoft Teams if yeah. you want to it's make it even easy. faster. But we were on Google Apps, so it was easy. Everybody would just be logged into the Gmail account associated with that Google voice number, and then they could just switch over to it, and the text message codes would be in the inbox. And actually, I think we just started forwarding them at some point to another, uh, like a Google group, an email distribution list, and so then that would just come through to everybody. And so if you had requested it, you would get it and you would know. And if you hadn't requested it, you would just ignore those messages. So I, you could do that with Google Voice. You could do that with Ring Central. I think sometimes like some verification services have trouble with VoIP numbers or they used to. I don't think that's like so much of an issue anymore because now everybody's on VoIP. Yeah. So yeah, that's my recommendation uh, for those systems where you can't do that is use a shared uh, number that forwards to some sort of email or Slack. That's it for my listener mail. What do we want to talk about, David, in the next 10 minutes? What is burning other minutes. than QuickBooks oh. Connect? Uh, we got we got a story from our listeners that I could talk about, a local story. Scottsdale startup facilitated massive amounts of pandemic-related fraud. This was sent to me by- I forgot uh, about this story. Uh, a, a number of listeners actually sent this over. So thank you, everybody, who forwarded it. This is highly relevant because for years we talked about PPP fraud. We were one of the first podcasts really digging into this possibility of PPP fraud happening. And all these reports keep coming out now, and we we called it, David. We knew this was going to happen due to the lax controls, and, and we talked about it. We could probably go pull up clips where we talk about what, it. But What was this company? You know, I think you didn't say that. Uh, so, so it was, there's also a fintech tie-in because uh, they were based in Scottsdale. The company was called Blue Acorn. And I'm and if sure I remember that- remember correctly, like, is it, this is one of those companies that didn't exist March of 2020. And then in April of 2020, they existed and just, I don't know how they did this so fast. It spun up this whole company in. It's almost like they, they knew these loans were coming six months ago. It's very hard to build things. Amazing. They saw the fast. opportunity. They saw the opportunity and they, you know, to think about it, if you want to process PPP loans- uh, you just needed like an online form, some sort of workflow software, and then a partner bank or a number of partner banks where you could you know, issue the loans. And people saw the opportunity. They, they saw the lax controls around this program. It was started in April 2020, specifically to facilitate PPP loans for small businesses. It's called Blue Acorn, based in Scottsdale, where I live. And a congressional report, the Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Crisis, issued a report that showed that uh, Blue Acorn, it looks like, facilitated massive fraud. But let's be um, clear when that word gets thrown out because they really didn't do the fraud. They just they made their so checks and balances so easy that massive fraud was going through their system. Like right. They didn't commit the fraud themselves, right? Well, what they did is, yeah, they set up the system such that the folks uh, reviewing the PPP loan documentation had... 30 seconds to approve a loan. I mean, it was basically rubber stamping these applications that came through. And so they were maybe following the rule of the law or the regulations handed down by uh, Congress and then the Small Business Administration, but they were not in uh, spirit following at all. And yeah, so, you know, billions of dollars went through this company and now they've been investigated. Here's a stat. Blue Acorn's partner lenders. So Blue Blue Acorn was the intermediary, you know, between banks and these PPP loan applicants. Their partner lenders facilitated almost three times as many PPP loans in 2021 
than J.P. Morgan Chase and Bank of America combined. Yet the report found Blue Acorn only had one direct employee who assisted with processing PPP loan applications. One employee was processing more PPP loans than J.P. Morgan Chase and Bank of America combined. It's insane. And, right? and Cabbage too, right? Cabbage was pounding through a huge yeah, volume I mean, as well. Yeah. Cabbage did billions of dollars of loans. Loan reviewers working for Blue Acorn who spoke with the Congressional Subcommittee claimed they received, quote, no formal or informal training on loan underwriting, unquote, and were told the review, quote, should take you less than 30 seconds, unquote. The report found Blue Acorn gave priority to monster loans that will get everyone paid. So they were seeking those, you know, big loans that would get them the percentage, the big percentage, uh, because these, these lenders got a percentage of every single loan that they made. The incentive was really terrible, actually, the way it was set up, if you think about it. Uh, Blue Acorn's founders arranged PPP loans for themselves. In one application, one of the owners falsely claimed to be an African-American and a veteran, and they fled to Puerto Rico after getting many of their PPP loans Oh, so they, they committed fraud themselves then. So they did do their own fraud. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it, yeah, wasn't yeah. Ju- it just wasn't because they spun up something that no. controls and it was, so they, they committed fraud themselves from day one. Yeah. And they made almost over a billion dollars, a billion dollars from processing these PPP loans. So imagine how many loans they issued. If they earned a billion dollars, that's just a small percentage that's of the, the total that's volume the of loans. That's right? the one. I think it was anywhere from one to a few percentage points. One point seven. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that. Yeah. So they, if they earned a billion, they probably facilitated a hundred billion in PPP loans, and no review, essentially no review of any of that stuff. Amazing. Right in our backyard, David, although they're not here anymore. Now they're in Puerto Rico. And I wonder if they're going to get ever prosecuted for this. I feel like it has to happen. At least they're still in they're still in the U.S. So, yeah. Anything else you want to take us out with, David? I got uh, another Scottsdale story for you in your backyard. Okay. So uh, a, a Scottsdale-based company, again, it's another accounting firm with engineers or bookkeeping firm with engineers. They're called Uplink, U-P-L-I-N-Q. They are and what's the, what's the web URL? U-P-L-I-N-Q dot A-I. Okay. Oh, they might well, they're have also dot com. com now too. They have the dot they com. They have dot com, well. com now as well. Okay. Oh, I go to the website and I see this this really cool dark mode website. and Infinite machine. Like robot moving little balls around with like cool charts and graphs that don't really mean anything. So they- Welcome uh, to the future. Te- Welcome to the future of bookkeeping. Yeah, they're Sorry, a tech-powered company that provides advanced bookkeeping solutions through data automation and machine learning. They announced they raised $5.6 million in seed funding. And one of the investors was Live Oak Ventures, which is part of Live Oak Bank. Yeah. Um, they're one of the biggest SBA lenders. And I guess what's interesting about this is, and I feel like all these accounting pilots and the scale factors, they all use this kind of loose terms where they say they have proprietary technology that comprehensively gathers and organizes and categorizes business transactions. But my brain is like, how, you're on the website right now, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all, they use QuickBooks, they use Zero, they use all the off-the-shelf GLs, off-the-shelf- Oh, they do? Providers. Where do they say that? They say that on their That's in the press page? release. That's in the press release. Oh, in their press release. But if okay. you scroll down, you can see all this stuff. So I'm okay. How, how do you have a proprietary system if you're built on QuickBooks? Well- isn't QuickBooks gathering the, the data? Not you at that point? Well, what they have built, I mean, if these screenshots are to be believed, is the visual interface 
that your clients would log into or that you would log into that's pulling data from QuickBooks. And it's, so it's this. A it's a it, it's charts and graphs. Charts and, and graphs. Maybe maybe a tool well, to categorize uncategorized income. That's yeah. And it, you know, you can always tell when these tools are built by developers because it's in dark mode, right? <laughs> Which is something that an accountant would never choose by default. And it looks a lot like digits. It just it really does has, has a digit digits. Smell, so yeah. Yeah. But it's like I don't Same know if green. dark I don't know if dark mode is what clients really want like from their financials. Like I, I it's the feel of it, like it's a little jarring, right? To log into a system that's like dark mode all the time. Yeah, let's just again, this looks like a dashboard app. It's funny yeah. how like dashboard apps are now becoming marketed as like automated accounting services. I don't know. Well, I think that they can be very powerful when they're paired with a really solid bookkeeping service. And it becomes a, a really intuitive way for clients to interact with your company. And it's basically the next generation of a client portal, but it's hard to do it right. And ultimately most clients end up emailing you, right? And half the clients, maybe if you're lucky, half the clients will use the portal and half email you. Nobody has figured this out. Nobody has solved this yet. So it is though something that differentiates you as a firm. And so if somebody's looking for a modern super tech savvy bookkeeping service. I mean, they lead with the tech. Uplinks machine learning technology and experienced professionals keep your bookkeeping up to date and transform your data into actionable financial intelligence all at the touch of a button. Yeah, they don't communicate so, if you're the small business owner what the benefit is very well. And this is a lesson for all you accounts and bookkeepers. Communicate what value you're bringing to the client. And they show the deliverable. And I think that's something that's really important is what is the client going to get every month? Even if it doesn't look as sexy as this, I think it's important to actually show them what they get so that there's, there's, it's more than just like, I'm hiring somebody to do my bookkeeping and I hope it's happening, especially because I think business owners are getting smarter and a lot of them have gotten burned by hiring an accountant or a bookkeeper who then doesn't actually do the work. And they need some way to know that the work is getting done. And these types of dashboards help provide that assurance. It's a, a way of proving that this stuff's getting done. I can log in and see that you've done the work. You, you should jump in so, and uh, take a demo and, and go show up in person, see what it's like. Scott's still there. You know, you know, if we were investigative reporters, then uh, yeah, that's what I would do. So I is think this kind of th- thing is neat. You know, the, the question, of course, is, you know, the execution is like, how good is the quality of the, the bookkeeping work that's being done? Who are the people behind the scenes? Making the calls uh, on this, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times that's the issue is that it's a lot of cool technology but not they don't have the people right they don't have the experience and that's the challenge but it's neat so I, it's neat to see you know, like like malcolm gladwell says it takes a long time a lot of people trying yes to build something like this and um this whole accountant plus technology solution is it going to be into it in quickbooks live is it going to be uplink is it going to be what are the other ones this design Pilot, yeah. Digit, Pilot. It just goes on and on and on. Scale factor. Oh wait, that one. That one didn't that one make crashed it. and burned. Yeah, we didn't make it. So anyway, David, we are at an hour. So anything else you want to say just, before we go? This is a quick one. So AICPA is giving out a million dollars in scholarships for 2023, mm-hmm. and they have a bunch of legacy scholarships to maybe an accounting student or minority accounting student that's maybe going to become an accounting major, somebody moving from a two-year school to a four-year school, people that are going to become future CPAs. And then all the, the amounts on these are from like 3000 to 5000 maybe 10000 
right? But then they're offering PhD candidates $20,000 for their studies because the reasoning is that the PhD students in accounting has decreased 40% over the last 10 years. But we like, don't need more PhDs that's in accounting. That, this exactly Jesus. when I read this is what was going through my head. Do we need more PhD accounting students? Have you read any of like, have you seen any of the papers that they work on? It's like, I can't, I'm sorry if you're a PhD accountant out there listening. If you are, write in and correct me on the record. But like most of this stuff, <laughs> it's like the PhDs are who, who are screwing up accounting theory because they've never had any real world, world experience. And they, they, don't, they, they create complexity that doesn't need to exist to justify their existence. I mean, this is the, this is what happens in a lot of academia. <laughs> you know, you, you write papers to write papers because that's how you get tenure, right? And I don't know. I, I ran into somebody at Cooper's Connect. She teaches at her university or community college. I don't know where she's teaching at. That's not the point. The point is the textbook that they have actually has some screenshots of QuickBooks in the text, the accounting textbook. But the faculty told her of the business department she's not allowed to teach QuickBooks to these accounting students. I think traditional education is ruining accounting and uh, it's complicit with the big accounting firms in ruining the accounting profession. And it's not just in accounting. It's like all sorts of fields have failed to advance because traditional education and universities are just these monolithic organizations that they're going to be disrupted. They're already being disrupted. I don't, they're not going to survive. Most of them are not going to survive the demographic changes that are coming in this country with the population drop that's about to happen and it's happening now. So uh, get ready for the next 50 years. It's going to be wild. As always, go get your, you want to, go get your scholarship money though. If you can get yeah, some of it. Go get uh, some. If you would like to uh, rant at me and tell me I'm wrong, I love hearing that I'm uh, wrong. I love hearing different opinions. Uh, and it was actually great. Like uh, we had listeners that have been listening to the show that came up and said, Hey Blake, you know, I, I, I hear you on the 150-hour rule, uh, and I agree with you. But I also had some folks that were like, no, that's not the issue. It's this. We need to focus on this. We should leave the 150-hour. Hey, I love the debate. I love hearing from everybody. So if you disagree with me or agree with me on any of this stuff, I want to hear about it, especially those of you who disagree. Email us, cloudaccountingpodcast at earmarkcpe.com. And I am Blake T. Oliver on almost all of the social medias. How about you, David? I'm just at David Lear on all the socials. And-, and- be sure you tag us in all these pictures you took oh, yeah. at Cooper's Connect. Yeah, tag us when you post. Uh, we get all of those uh, in our feed. And uh, get free CPE for listening to this episode. Download the Earmark CPE app on the App Store or the Google Play Store. Every episode becomes a free CPE course that you can then take. Uh, it comes out about a week after the episode drops. So if you don't see it yet, it'll be there. Subscribe to our channel. You can actually earmark our channel on the Earmark app. It's a little bookmark app. A bookmark icon in the top right corner and then you can easily find all of our episodes there uh, and we're going to launch push notifications soon so you can uh, then get notified when your favorite um, uh, channels have new courses i think that should help people a lot david have a, a week. great week uh, i'm, I'm going to go, go plow through on the couch try to i'm going to go cover oh yeah i hope you feel better i'm going to plow through my hundreds of emails now and try to get back to people and i'll see you here again on friday all right bye Bye. Time for the classifieds. Are you still paying 1% for ACH to receive money from your customers? With Uclick, you can pay as little as 30 cents per transaction. Uclick has two-way sync to both Zero and QuickBooks Online and gives you the features that the accounting systems lack, like installment plans, secure automatic payment setup invitations, automatic receipts, 
and allows access to other credit card merchant providers beyond the ones that come with the accounting system, giving you more control over the service fees that you pay. For more information and a 30-day free trial, go to ucollect.biz slash C-A-P. That's ucollect.biz slash C-A-P. Check out Hector Garcia's new app called Right Tool for QuickBooks Online. Instantly increase your productivity with keyboard shortcuts and more. It will save you seconds. The app is free at the moment in public beta. Check them out at righttool.app. That is righttool.app. R-I-G-H-T-T-O-O-L dot app. I don't care where you live in the United States. If you're a CPA, you have to take ethics continuing education. And I don't care who you are and where you live. You hate taking ethics continuing education. That's why me, Greg Kite, and my buddy, Adam Browd, we created a podcast called Drunk Ethics, where we unfold and uh, expose all of the inner secrets of not just ethics, but how to become more ethical and to promote ethical behavior at your workplace. And we do that while we are getting progressively more faced during the course of each episode. In each episode, we take seven shots every seven minutes. And so at the beginning, we are scholarly. And by the end, we are drunk yet still scholarly. If you're interested in this podcast, which I know you are, anyone can listen to the podcast for free. It's out there. You can find it. But if you want CPE credit for it, NASBA certified CPE credit, it is a premium course on Earmark. So if you're already a subscriber to Earmark, it's going to be more than that. But listen, it's worth it because of two reasons. First off, you know your company, you know your firm's going to pay for it and not you. And second of all, it's worth it, damn it. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.